Good morning. Uh, welcome back to Driving Theology. Mike here. Uh, just returned from Thailand a few days where I was on a men's uh, renewal. Um, it's not a retreat, but it's called a renewal. Um, a retreat kind of indicates that you are there to kind of treat yourself. Of course, that's not what retreat means, but uh, to, to, to take care of your individual needs, maybe. Uh, whereas the, the idea of the renewal is that it is sort of a, hopefully, a, <clears throat> a, and I'm just brainstorming this, obviously. It's what I always do. Um, the ideal of this come before winter renewal for men uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I guess I'd have to figure it out. I think it's for for ministers, missionaries, pastors, really any men who uh, feel as if they uh, are lacking something uh, in their ministry, and maybe that uh, maybe that um, manifests itself in feelings of burnout or emptiness, uh, loneliness, um, whatever the case may be, the idea of the renewal is to, is to really fill, uh, fill up the, uh, members again. And so it's, it's quite an intense package of worship, sharing, going deeper in the scriptures, um, kind of thing. There's a lot of uh, personal things. Now, Come Before Winter has existed for women for many years. My wife's been on two of those renewals, and it was created by women for women in ministry, and it's been doing amazing things uh, by the grace of Jesus through uh, for the women who have attended these renewals, uh, my wife included. And, um, and so there was a, there has been a call for many years, apparently, that, you know, we might think of a way to do it for men. But the women resisted, thinking that, you know, men would not be able to, to handle it, so to speak, would not be able to, it would be too, too intense for men, maybe, I'm not sure what it is, but too touchy-feely, I guess is more the word, for men, that men eventually would just fall apart and become boys, you know, when themselves and not take it seriously. Well, I think just the opposite happened. I, I think it was amazing. I, I really can't think of anything. I can't think of any other experience I've had in my life um, that may potentially impact me greater. I don't have to think about that. I mean, that's life itself is an <laughs> impactful experience, of course. Um, but anyway, it was it was great. I, I think I shared with oh, seriously. <sighs> Sorry, the road rage there. <laughs> um, I think I shared with you that I had some trepidation about attending as it was put on by uh, put on by uh, 
denomination that I formally associated myself with. I guess I'm still associated with it, but I try not to define define my experience with Jesus by it anymore. I'm trying to accept so much more that God is doing in the world, not just what He's doing in the denomination that I was brought up in. So I had some, you know, kind of. Uh, nervousness about being a part of this, being surrounded by so many uh, missionaries, pastors, preachers from that denomination. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was all, you know, alleviated, taken away right away as, as uh, we started worshiping together right off the bat. Uh, the uh, singing was amazing, the men getting together, the singing was just phenomenal we call the times of worship, and I'll get more into the idea of what worship is in a minute, so I'm using it in the, in the way that churchianity uses worship, and that is usually usually singing, <laughs> or a worship service is usually the time set aside every week uh, that is planned for singing, praying, scripture reading, and a sermon, uh, and offering in the Lord's Supper as well, oftentimes worship service but the times of worship were 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 team building they were they built a lot of camaraderie uh, and everybody seemed to be really into the worship you know very much participating and wholeheartedly in worshiping the Lord in song uh, and uh, Best, the best things happened in the small groups where we were able to open up in front of our our brothers from around the world, and this was uh, this was a group, uh, a multi. Let's see, our group was multinational. I guess we had four four nations represented and seven people. It was mostly Americans, and the renewal is done in English by uh, an American ministry. And that's just because it's pretty tough to get people up and running to be trained in their methods in another language. Not that it's not happening, but it's no easy feat. Um, so we, we had, uh, in our group, we had, I suppose, four Americans, one Canadian, one Filipino, and one Indian from India, um, and they were all in, in ministries of various uh, various ministries. We had um, two were former missionaries, two were current missionaries. One worked in disaster. I'm probably missing somebody. I can't think of who it is right now. Yeah. Anyway, there were seven of us, and then me. <clears throat> uh, Anyway, like I said, it was it was great. Uh, there, were, there were times of uh, confession and healing, and and uh, just mostly, you know, bearing our souls to each other, and uh, times of praying and the laying on of hands, and and, uh, and there was just times of, of closeness um, that men don't often feel, uh, or maybe they kind of resist when they're around uh, around the ladies. I don't know, you know, most of us put up facades of some kind or another to hide.
hide our innermost selves. But in this, the, the way this is kind of designed is to slowly chip away at that and provide a safe opportunity for you to be vulnerable in front of your peers and in front of your brothers in Christ. And so, uh, yeah, I think many of us achieve that or it was achieved for us. Uh, but I think that was the, the best part, knowing that, that we are not alone, that, that people from all over the place uh, are, are suffering, uh, are uh, failing. You know, people are failing all over the place. They, they are searching for answers to the difficult questions in life and, and that come up specifically in full-time ministry. Um, but I will say this, uh, here's, here's what I think, and this, this doesn't apply to this, uh, this conference that I went to alone. This applies to the church in general. Uh, there's a, there, there are terms that we need to, we need to lay before the cross and allow Jesus to redefine them for us. Uh, and those terms are as I see them. Number one, worship. What is true worship? Because right now, worship is getting together with people like you and singing songs. Uh, but I think we will find that true worship in its in its simplest form is is obedience uh, it is obedience and and uh, so when we obey our Lord we are worshiping when we deny ourselves and decide to follow Jesus that is worship and musical gathering type worship should not take the place of true worship. In other words, it doesn't it doesn't uh, let you off the hook to be with a lot of people who think like you and sing songs about Jesus. Uh, it doesn't let me off the hook. It felt great. You know, it's a great feeling and it may, be, it may feel like worship. But true worship is what we're doing uh, all the rest of the times with our life. Are we have we allowed ourselves to be Bible in the hands of the master have we allowed ourselves um, to <clears throat> to be used in the way that Jesus wants us to be used are we submitted fully committed fully fully to the will of Jesus in our context or uh, have we obeyed his call to go to another context let's same thing, you know. And uh, I think you don't have to. You don't have to uh, ignore one for the other. I think you always, <laughs> you always have to be submitted to the will of Jesus in your context. That's a given. No matter where you are, whether you've obeyed the call to go or not. The call to go may be as simple as, you know, go over there and talk to that person or, or go to the next town uh, or, or uh, go to that park or, you know, go over there for the weekend. You know, the, the call to go, I don't think 
yourself and your family to a foreign country for years at a time. I, I think I think we've oversimplified that. Uh, the call to go uh, is is relative. It's relative to every situation that Jesus places places in front of us. But that you know when you're in the in that limbo of contemplating whether or not Jesus is truly calling you to go somewhere uh, that that cannot excuse you from obeying the will of God where you're at at the time I think God uses us where we are I think that's that is uh, always uh, evident in scripture uh, yes he calls some to go he specifically called Paul to be um, to be Jesus' voice to the Gentiles. We know that for sure. Uh, but he called all of the disciples to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Um, but all the world is also where you are. <laughs> so uh, I think there's a general call and there's a specific call. We are all called to go. So, yeah, I think uh, one of the words we need to redefine is worship. What is worship? And I think we will find that true worship is following Jesus. Following his both his general call and his specific call. Specific calls. Specific instructions that he gives us. Um, another word that I believe needs redefining is ministry. Um, ministry, to minister, a minister is simply a servant, right? And what I found, language that I found so often, uh, that I find so often in, in a lot of, uh, you know, church, churchy places, is this idea of my ministry and your ministry. How is your ministry going? And, you know, um, people seem to take ownership of a specific ministry. For example, if I am in, if I am in a homeless ministry, I say my, my ministry to the homeless is going well. Yeah, I have been able to do this and I have been able to do that. And, tend to talk like that. Well, the my part needs to be rethought, I think. Um, I think there's just ministry. I think there's just serving. And I think as soon as we take responsibility for it and take ownership of it, make it one of our possessions, I think we remove somewhat the power of the Holy Spirit to work in there because we are saying that I have called myself to do this instead of saying that, that the Holy Spirit or Jesus has called me to do this that's why it's his ministry or the idea that he's already doing it that's why I'm following him it's his ministry uh, I am just I'm just worshiping him by following him and following his call uh, but it's his ministry I I take no credit for it. Uh, 
and I take no responsibility. And one of the, one of the reasons we have such, we have so many, so much failure, uh, feelings of failure, I think, in, in people who do full-time, quote-unquote, ministry, is that because they've taken possession of it, they also take responsibility when it fails. And they take that very hard. They feel like they have failed Jesus. Now, another term you might say that we need to redefine is failure, and I'd say you're right. I'm not sure I'll get to that today, but failure does need to be redefined. Or maybe it just needs to be dropped from our vocabulary. Because Jesus failed in in, in the micro context often. Uh, he failed it. What what looks like failure to the world, I think he de he defined it. I mean, he he was a a definite failure. He failed to live long enough to see his ministry blossom. He failed to become wildly popular in his day. He failed to keep disciples <clears throat> at times. Uh, he failed to create a huge gathering while it was here. He never did that. He never had anything even close to something like a mega church, you know? All the people meeting in one place, worshiping him, that never happened while he was here. He never achieved wealth or riches, property of any kind. He was a, an underachiever in the way the world measures it in many ways. And I guess that's the problem. We are measuring uh, failure in the world in the way the world measures failure even though we're talking about spiritual things you know we're talking about things that 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 Jesus does and there you go I've, I've redefined failure I didn't mean to <laughs> so uh, I think we need to really take that out of our vocabulary and just you know allow things to be what they are lay them at the feet of Jesus and continue to to heed his call in general and in specific uh, to follow him. We spend a lot of time doing things that Jesus never did in ways that Jesus never did. We spend a lot of time doing things that Jesus never did nor called us to do. And then we do them in ways that Jesus would not have done. And that goes back on the Eugene Peterson book. Alright, so, yeah, back to ministry. So, my ministry, I think the mind needs to be taken out of it for specific reasons. Uh, for sanity, for one, if it's not your ministry and it, it seems to fail, you will not be so adversely affected by it. You know, you kind of roll with it and go on to the next call. Uh, and just have faith that, that uh, Jesus is the person who ultimately defines failure. And maybe all he was trying to get out of it was your obedience. Maybe there was no other goal. Okay. So giving giving the ministry back to Jesus, I think, is a, an important thing for our our sanity and for the for ministry to be more successful. The other part of ministry that I think we should redefine is this idea that full time ministers are are more ministers than other people. Uh, I think by definition, every Christian is a minister. Okay. Now we've 
we've defined minister in a way that basically says, okay, somebody has a title, you're the youth minister, or you're the pulpit minister, or you're the children's minister. We've made titles, but those titles don't exist in the first century church, nor did Jesus give those titles to any of his disciples. He could have give, given titles to them. He had the, the uh, three. You might even argue that he had the one in Peter that he, he, he focused on more than any of the other disciples, but he certainly had the three. Uh, Peter, James, and John, who were with him in some uh, very interesting and, and very intense situations that he chose to be with him. And then he had the twelve. But he never he never gave them the title of a certain kind of minister or a top minister, middle minister, low minister, whatever. Now we know that, that uh, they were called apostles, which means the sent ones. They were going to be sent and we've made those titles, of course. Um, uh, we've made those somewhat formal titles, so so formal that we don't allow other people to be called apostles in many realms anymore, even though they have an apostolic-type ministry. Uh, that's for another time. Um, but a minister is a servant. A servant. Jesus said he, he did not come to be served, but to be to, but to serve. He did not come to be served, but to serve. Uh, Isaiah talk in Isaiah fifty two talks about the servant and my servant, and, and Jesus is called the servant in prophecy. Uh, Jesus washed the feet of the the disciples, uh, even the lowest job uh, that could be thought of to wash the dirty feet of of men. Um, so he he is called Jesus is called the servant. He referred to his as himself as a servant, and he also said that we are to be servants. That if we want to be first, we must be last. And last means lowest, least. Okay, we are to be the least in the kingdom. Now we've come up with titles called servant leaders which is a complete oxymoron. Uh, even people in the church don't seem to blink an eye at that. But a servant is just a servant. A servant, by definition, is not a leader. He leads by serving. He doesn't lead by leading. And the, the Western world right now, especially America, is so caught up in leadership and leadership skills. And what is a good leader and what must a leader be able to do and how must a leader work and act and think and feel and what can't a leader do and, and all of this stuff Jesus defined the only kind of leadership acceptable to him. Servant leadership. Don't tell people what to do. Help them. Love them. Pretty simple to me. Love them. Help them. Serve them. Heal them. Feed them. That's the kind of leadership that Jesus was trying to get us to do. It wasn't about making decisions. It wasn't about any of those kinds of things. And the reason was, he knew, Jesus knew, I think. I believe Jesus knew. That if he allowed other kinds of leaders, that one day they would usurp his own authority as the head. 
one Lord. That's why he said that they should not lord it over. As the Gentiles do, but they should serve. That has to be redefined. Everybody in the church today are ministers, are servants. And there is no higher calling. And there is no high, higher title than servant. You know, how can we get back to that point? I don't think the apostles achieved it, actually. I think that that was one of those things missed right out of the box. Uh, kind of like when the uh, people of Israel received the law and they got the, the law of the... Uh, jubilee and the, the years that are supposed to have no work and the, the land that's supposed to be returned. All of those things were meant to heal heal the nation uh, every 50 years and it just was never was never heated. Um, as far as we know there was never a jubilee. Now, if somebody can correct me on that, but that, that's just something I've heard. I haven't researched it. And so I tell you right there I'm not sure that's true. But uh, there's enough other things to, to look at that the people didn't follow right off the bat, ever. Like they ever followed it, ever tried to implement things that would have been good for them, but they just found too, too tedious to, to do or, you know, various reasons. Uh, but that's one thing we've missed from the beginning, I think. I think we see the apostles starting to lord it over right away. And I think, you know, it's... It's a common problem, but you know, let's get back to that. Let's let's get back to true Jesus Jesus leadership, and that is sacrifice uh, and serving, not serving by leading, serving by serving. Uh, so we need to stop those of us who have some kind of leadership position in congregations. Probably should stop calling ourselves full-time ministers, or this kind of minister, that kind of minister, but acknowledging that ministry is the way of Jesus and therefore the way of his church, and there is no one uh, in the kingdom who is not a minister. Now, some of us may not be uh, performing well as ministers. We, not, we may not be uh, serving like we should, but that is the, that's the default position of a follower of Jesus and no what is it no student is greater than his master so how can we be called anything but servant when that's what Jesus was called um, there's another term that popped into my head that I thought we should think about redefining as I was talking so so far we've talked about worship ministry um, we talked <clears throat> talked briefly about ministry, my ministry. Uh, I think we, yeah. Uh, anyway, I uh, would love to hear your comments on other terms that maybe need need to be redefined as Jesus saw them. Um, I, I know we could think of a lot more. Uh, prayer is another one. Uh, but f for me, the one I really want to touch on today, the big one, was worship. The idea that 
you know, to worship is to submit yourself before your king. That's worship. Now, we had a position of worship, and that was bowing, right? Bowing down. But I think we need to remember, just saying that we worship Jesus is not worshiping Jesus. Just saying that we love Jesus is not loving Jesus. Uh, just uh, saying hallelujah, which says praise Jesus, is not praising Jesus. The, the term hallelujah means to, it's a call to praise, not the praise itself. Well, yeah, praise and worship in general that we, re, we, we redefine as singing, as a type of uh, worship that we do that's formal. Uh, you know, praising somebody is a simple thing. When I want to praise my daughter when she does a, a great piece of art, I just say, wow, nice job, look at that. And I might even tell somebody else, hey, you know, look at, look at how well my daughter did. She, she really has a knack for this. She, she did a great job. You know, and that's, that's praising. Uh, and so when I tell somebody about the things that Jesus has done for me, whether the general things that Jesus has done for all people and all mankind, or, or whether it's, it's something specific that Jesus has done for me uh, today, it's praising, right? It's just simply telling people the works of Jesus and telling people how great Jesus is. So, just saying, we praise your name, isn't praising the name of Jesus. Just saying the name of Jesus isn't necessarily praising the name of Jesus. Now, if we're, if we're specifically, you know, generally, not specifically, but if we're generally talking about the wonderful things that Jesus did, for example, dying for us, and I suppose that's praising. We do that in song often. You know, as long as our, you know, our minds and thoughts are actually in that, in that, uh, in that place, if we're actually thinking about, wow, what I would have been, uh, the position I would have been without Jesus and how grateful I am for what he's done for me, uh, then sure, you can praise with music in your heart. But I think much more effective, both for Jesus and the cause of Jesus, uh, is to, you know, get out in the world and tell people who don't know Jesus just what he's done for you and what he did for you today. Uh, and that they too don't have to depend only on themselves or the imperfect people around them. They can, they can trust and lean into Jesus who uh, wants to, to help them and wants to lead them in a, in a better way. Uh, praise and worship definitely need to be redefined. You know, praise is boasting about the things God has done. Worship is submitting to the will of God. Uh, and that can be done, yes, in an assembly, it's possible. But if it's not done in the world and in your everyday life, then it really has no teeth and it has no meaning or backup or anything like that. It has no uh, credibility. You know, it's just words. I'm of a mind to say that maybe we're putting the cart before the horse. Maybe we should be out discipling people. Uh, to worship and praise in their lives on a daily basis. 
And then as they come together with like-minded believers and disciples of Jesus, singing about those things, about the things we've experienced, isn't the Lord great? Isn't our Lord wonderful? Isn't Jesus more than we ever imagined? Right? And then again, going out into the world and praising and worshiping Jesus by the way we follow Him in our lives. By doing the things Jesus did in the ways that Jesus did. Uh, and that's true ministry, right? That's true ministry. So often true ministry is, is confined, or the idea that of true ministry is confined uh, to a time slot. confined to a time slot. Uh, ministry happens when the church gathers and boy, you're a minister 24-7. 52 weeks a year. Every year of your believing life, you're a minister. So if you're going to define it to a, an hour, hour and a half, two hour slot on Sunday, I don't know, what's the point? such an insignificant amount of our time. So I think we need to stop separating ministers and people who are not in ministry. Because if they're not in ministry, they're not believers at all. Let's instead make an inclusive term and say, we are ministers. We are ministers of Jesus. We serve Him. And by serving Him, we serve the people he loved. He said, a new commandment I give you, love one another. Uh, that loving one another is serving. You can't, you can't truly serve someone from the heart unless you love them. And we are to love everyone. It's not just love the people in our gathering or the people that think like us or pray like us or sing like us or that have the color of our skin or speak the same language we do. We're to love everyone. We're to serve everyone. And that's the highest calling by which uh, we operate. There's nothing higher than being a servant. And I think Jesus makes that clear more than once. More than once. And if my voice uh, sounds kind of weird today, I've got a bit of a cold. Uh, I know I hearing myself. I know it feels a little bit off, sounds a little bit off. Anyway, I'm about to uh, my place of worship. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, hopefully it is my place of worship as I <laughs> I'm at my place of work. Uh, but it should be all worship. It should be all submitting to the will uh, of Jesus in every aspect uh, of the lives that he's given us, whether individually or corporately. I want you to think about the idea that if, if your life is not worship, then the worship you do on a Sunday morning may be empty. It may be quite empty. Um, but whether you use your life to worship in song and in the listening of the word better on a Sunday morning, or if you use what you hear on Sunday morning 
to better make you a servant every day of the week. Uh, either way, I pray that we all um, really seek out the life of the servant. And we have the great example of Jesus in the Gospels. He showed us how to be a servant. He showed us how to, how to serve. There's no greater skill we can have. It's been great talking to you guys, and uh, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.